Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of the Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the rich. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. Heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and unto
Good morning and welcome to the first service at Preston Crest. My name is Randy Tucker and I serve as one of the elders here and want to welcome you this morning. We'd ask that you would uh, please uh, check in at the uh, number on our screen and there's also a QR code on the card in the back of the seat in front of you that you can use. And if you're a first-time visitor, we'd like you to take that completed card to the uh, Welcome Center in the lobby and receive a small gift. We are now uh, less than three months away from uh, telling the story conference. Our track of classes on Saturday, September, uh, February 4th, will focus on family ministry and specifically how to become better listeners, how to minister to the 2023 family, how to minister in your home, and how to break through the noise of our culture. If our families aren't whole, it's very difficult to engage in the mission of God. And God is continuing to bless us with registrations from around the country, but we need you, Preston Crest, to register and attend as well. And this event cannot succeed without your participation and support. Remember, this conference is not just for church leadership, but for all of us to become better and confident in sharing our faith. If you have questions about this, you can contact Jacob Hawk or our church office. And as we enter into our time of worship, let's read 1 Chronicles 16, 8, and 9. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning declaring your holiness, glory, and righteousness. And we thank you for the blessings you continually provide. May we be content and not greedy. May we share with others, especially those that are widowed and fatherless. May we provide true welcome and practice hospitality, not just to friends, but to our neighbors and strangers as well. Father, forgive our sins, bring us back into your light, and may we forgive others as you have forgiven us. Father, put your hand of protection around us as Satan is constantly looking for ways to turn us from you and keep us from his deception and help guard our hearts. We offer this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Let's, uh, let's stand and let's sing this morning. Praise the Lord, the heavens adore Him. Praise Him, angels in the high Praise the Lord, for he has spoken. Word. 
going to sing one more song as we are entering into our time of communion this morning. And then Scott Biggers will come and lead us around the bread and around the cup this morning.
Good morning. It's good to be together on this holiday week. And there was something about this week that um, I felt more dramatically than usual, and it's the adjacency of Thanksgiving with Black Friday. And so you know, you go from Thursday and this celebration of family, of gratitude, of a healthy perspective and a focus on things that we have, the blessings that we have. And then we're sucked into an inbox filled with messages of um, things we don't have, inviting us to focus on those things that we don't have for 20 to 50% off. And it's in those moments that like, I find myself getting pulled out of the sway of gratitude and into a feeling of missing out on something, some sense of need or want, feelings of inadequacy, of being incomplete. And so it's for moments like those in a time just like this right now that scripture reminds us of the adequacy of Christ. And it's interesting, words like adequacy and sufficiency and satisfaction seem to have lost a little bit of their meaning in today's uh, culture of hype. But we find great peace, great comfort, and great encouragement today in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. So as we eat the bread, drink the cup this morning, we recall Christ's death with these tangible reminders of his love for us and a reminder that in, with our union in Christ, we are complete. Let's pray. Father, as we come together this morning, may we take this bread with a heart that is purposefully and intentionally thankful for the incredible sacrifice, the amazing gift of grace that's extended to us, and the invaluable privilege of being forgiven. Thank you, Lord. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Let's pray again. 
Lord, as we continue this communion with each other and with you, may our hearts and minds remain fixed on you. I ask that you help us to truly understand that all joy, peace, purpose, value, hope, and fulfillment in life now and forever is bound in you. Thank you, Lord. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. love it when you lead us around the communion, always bringing good, poignant thoughts. My daughters, on the other hand, love seeing Scott up here because they call him the George Clooney of Preston Crest. <laughs> Sorry, brother. That is true. If you came prepared to bring an offering this morning, you can drop that in the box in the middle of our foyer after we are concluded this morning. If you're giving online, thank you. Many ways to do that, uh, obviously on, through the website or through church teams. Uh, if you would still like to give to World Care or to uh, Disaster Relief, that is still an available option if you're wanting to help us uh, as, the, as we are getting close to the end of the year. All right. I got a lot of things to share with you, but let's, uh, let's pray for this time of offering right now. Father God, thank you for allowing us to give, to serve, to love. Father, thank you for calling us your children. And thank you for giving us the, the perfect gift of Jesus. It's because of him that we give. It's because of him that we worship. 
Hear our prayer. It's in his name. Amen. Last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, we had several Preston Crest members involved in our downtown feeding. And again, thank you, Gary Cohorn, for organizing this. So many. And uh, Barbara Cooper, love you. Making all that food, cooking all those turkeys. Bless your heart. So, uh, yes, you're seeing some familiar faces here uh, as many of us gathered downtown last Saturday to feed homeless. And uh, we are also adopting families for Christmas. Those are starting to, uh, to be adopted. It's all online this year. If you're having some difficulty with adopting online, uh, the, the links should take you directly there, but if you're having troubles with that, meet me back in the foyer. I'll be back there. I've got trash bags. If you want to take some of those as well to bag up all your stuff, I've got uh, little name tag stickers to write your family names as well back there as well. But if you need to come see me, if you're having some difficulty with adopting your family or families, come see me back there and I'll help you out with that. Um, or you can give me a call at the office this week and I will, I will help you walk you through that. December 4th, Sunday night, 6 p.m., Rudy's Christmas Wish. You want to be here for that, folks. That is next Sunday night. That's our children's Christmas program. So please make plans to be here next Sunday night, December 4th at 6 p.m. All right. Hey, oh, back to adoptions uh, next week. We're going to start helping you. If, you. if you need some help with bringing your packages in after you've adopted your families, we're going to have some helpers at the South Portico to help bring in your bags if you want to do that. And you can just pull up to the South Portico. We'll have folks there. I believe next week is going to be attic kids, I believe. Uh, so that's going to be fifth and sixth graders and, and helping us uh, move our bags in here this morning or that next week, Sunday morning. All right. Hey, stand, please. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. And we'll sing one more. And Brian Borden is going to come and share with us this morning. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. You're
Good morning, church. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. This morning, I've got a few questions to start us off with. Who loves being rejected? Who loves being told no? Who loves feeling like you're not good enough? Or having to be something that you're not just to fit in? This morning, we're going to talk about that freedom in Christ from approval and from rejection. Have you ever been picked last? Man, I remember as a kid growing up, and I was as tall as I was wide, which is great if you're playing tackle football or kickball. And on the playground, I would get picked probably right there in the middle. But if it was a game of speed or skills, such as basketball or racing, I'd hear all the names picked, everybody walk across, and then there I was standing alone, and finally someone saying, okay, I'll take Brian. (laughs) You ever been there? I wish I could tell you that's the only time that I have felt rejection or doing something to win the approval of others. However, I've probably spent too much time in my life worried about what others think about me. Do I measure up to their expectations? Have you been there? I think sometimes as a minister, I I get consumed with kind of what Paul talked about. I need to be all things to all people to reach as many as possible for the gospel. In my first few years of ministry, I spent just that, running hard and wearing myself out spiritually and doing damage to my marriage because I spent so many hours working overtime, trying to show everyone at church that they made the right decision when they hired me. And every time I got an attaboy, it puffed me up, making me think, oh, I'm valued. I'm worthy. Eventually, I woke up and I realized I'm exhausted. And I'm not being filled up through the Spirit in my time with God, which means that when I'm ministering to my students, they're just seeing me. And they're not seeing God at work in me. I'm not ministering out of the overflow of what he's doing in my life, and it's not enough for my students just to see me. Was I willing to sacrifice my marriage, myself, or even my soul to make others happy? Have you been there? Maybe you're running hard after what you thought was going to fill you up, only to be found left empty at the end. Man, when we run after applause of people or the fear of rejection, we're eventually going to look back and be disappointed. And we may not even recognize who we've become. I saw a list the other day uh, when I was doing research on this about the evidences of us um, when we have had hurt or rejection in our life. And I just want to share a few of them this morning just to get us thinking about the prisons that we can find ourselves when we run after approval, or when we live in fear of rejection 
and the freedom that Jesus offers from those prisons. A few examples are not trusting that God has a plan for us. Maybe it's wishful comparison to others. Overly criticizing yourself or thinking you're better than others. Attempting to be perfect in areas in your life. Difficulty loving and trusting others. Or just having the wrong priorities. Do you want to know why we struggle with ourselves over the approval of others or why we struggle with the fear of rejection? It's because Satan and his demons are constantly at war for our souls. Our God loves us and he is bigger and stronger than anything. But he lets us choose. He lets us choose whether we're going to choose the freedom that he offers or the prison that Satan offers. Church, we're in a battle. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, we find ourselves running after the wrong things. I think the problem is that we just can't see the spiritual battle. And a lot of times we have medical and scientific names for just about everything, which gives us this sense that we can deal with our struggles. We can deal with our fears and we can deal with those temptations. However, we are in a spiritual war that we cannot see, church. I loved, I was sitting in one of our student small groups, our ninth and 10th grade small groups, and Dan Mobley was teaching. And he was talking about the spiritual world. And he asked the students, what happens when an angel came face to face with people? And they said they were terrified. Many times they fell to their faces. And he went on to talk about, imagine if you could see, if the angels brought fear, imagine what fear that you would feel if you saw the spiritual war raging around us every day. You know, there are so many common tra uh, traps that, that imprison us when we run after approval and rejection. I just want to list just a few of those. I want to talk about a few of those this morning. The first one I'm going to mention, and you hear it all the time, is social media. And I will tell you, social media is a wonderful tool for communication, for business, for keeping up with others and trying to keep in touch with people that you don't get to see on an ongoing basis. It is such a great tool. But Satan takes this great tool and he causes what was supposed to be good and he makes it evil. He has to start comparing ourselves to others. Something that was intended to be good only for us to post something and not get enough likes or enough comments to satisfy that craving for approval. Or we post something that we really are convicted of and we really believe only to find rejection over our convictions. Another trap we can find ourselves in is school or work. We're constantly trying to fit in and find our place. We're fighting for our status or our reputation. And when we run after others' approval, we're going to find ourselves working more hours than we should so that we can make it up that ladder of success. Now, I'm not saying work is evil. Work is good. If you're working hard and you're growing in your business, that's a great thing. But the struggle comes when it becomes our identity. When it, when it claims who we are. 
if our value is in our promotions and our bonuses, we might sacrifice our families or our health or even our time with God. At school, we may push others down so that we rise up. Or we may spend so many hours on school or our extracurricular activities that we just don't take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. You remember the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus told Mary that she's, told, she's chosen wisely to just sit at his feet. And Martha was running and so concerned and consumed with other things, making sure that everything was right. Now, there are seasons we will need to run like Martha. I'm not saying we always need to sit around. But if we're not taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus, then we may not hear who we really are. When I graduated, I'm just giving an example. When I graduated high school and chose to go to ACU, I also chose, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and play football. My senior year was, was fantastic. I had won two awards, was on TV for Scholar Athlete of the Week, had been voted captain of the football team by my, by my teammates because of the, my work ethic and how much I pushed them and encouraged them. I had all these accolades that I had gotten, these awards that I had gotten, and people liked me, and I thought, man, people like me because I'm good at football. Football had started to become my identity. Yes, I still love Jesus, but the war for who I was at my core started to battle on. And I think part of the reason I chose to play football at ACU was because I thought, if I don't play football, who am I? Will people really like me? And I didn't know. I couldn't answer it. We all have different stories. But I bet if we started sharing with each other, we'd find out that we've all found ourselves at one time in our life in the prisons of rejection or running after the approval of others. There are so many other traps of approval or rejection. Maybe we're trying to constantly please everyone, which, you know, when you try to please everyone, you please no one. Or we fear not living up to our parents' hopes or dreams or expectations that they have for us. We may fear being rejected by our friends and, and losing them. I thought of one, sometimes when our kids act up, it's that fear of, oh, maybe people don't think I'm a good parent or that I'm not telling my kids how to live right. I love the story of Moses. Moses in the Bible, show such a human side. Yes, he did incredible things. God did incredible things through Moses. And we, we always think about those. But sometimes we forget about the man Moses. Some of his failures, some of his um, shortcomings, some of his fears and, and some of his temptations. But I love here how God never gave up on him. In fact, the, the writer of Hebrews says this about Moses in Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share in the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. 
It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Imagine leaving a life of royalty and materialism to step into God's plan. He knew that the Egyptians were going to reject him when he chose slaves over them. I love verse 26 where it says, He knew it was better to suffer for Christ than to have the treasure in Egypt. He believed in God. He believed in God's promises of an eternal home, of a hope that was bigger than an earthly treasure. In fact, verse 27 says, He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. How does that happen? How do you see the invisible? And I believe that's the battle. The world we live in and see tells us what we need to be and what we should value. But God has a different kingdom. One that fills us up and that will not leave us empty. But Moses struggled. Moses struggled with popular opinion. Moses struggled with with people complaining and wearing him out. I want to share a few of those examples so you can see what I'm talking about this morning of why this is a real thing of rejection and approval. In Exodus 14, I'm going to start in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Can you hear the rejection? Here's how Moses responds. He told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. You know, they just, the Egyptians, I mean, the Israelites just watched Moses free them by using 10 plagues that, was, that God sent on Egypt. And then as they were leaving, they plundered the people with, they were taking all their gifts, all their gold, all their jewelry. And now trouble is coming. And according to popular opinion, Moses, you are now a bad leader. Isn't that crazy? All these miracles, all these great things, but trouble's coming. So you messed up, Moses. Here's another example in Exodus 15, starting in verse 23. When they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. How many of you guys, after reading these two examples, kind of feel like you're on that road trip to Thanksgiving, right? You're, in the, you're on this road, and it's, how, how much longer? Why do we have to go and drive so long? I got to stop and use the bathroom. I mean, all these complaints, Right? The people exhausted Moses over and over again with different complaints. And most of the time, Moses turned to God 
listened and obeyed, and he saw God work miracles. Moses was victorious most of the time, and I believe he knew that God had a bigger plan of salvation for his people, more than just a physical piece of land. I think eventually Moses ran after that eternal promised land in the Messiah Jesus. Even though he did not see it in his day, he knew that hope was coming. And I think so much of that was as we, we read, if you read through the life of Moses, he went and spent time with God so much that when he was in the presence of God, he radiated God. Had such a personal relationship with God that these complaints kind of bounced off. You know, Jesus is probably the ultimate example of freedom from approval and rejection. He had to fight temptation. He made an earthly king by the people in John 6. He defeated Satan in the wilderness when he was tempted to go away from God's plan and would have made his ministry on earth a lot easier. But he chose God. Ultimately, Jesus was rejected by the religious leaders in Israel because he ate with sinners, because people loved and listened to him more than them. So how do we find freedom like this? that we read in Moses, and we read in Jesus. How do we find this freedom? I think it begins with us letting God define us. Do we run after God's approval more than the approval of people? Do we fear God above others? Sometimes what makes this so hard is because God loves us unconditionally. He loves us when we do great things in his name. He loves us when we make a mess of our life. His love is constant, and he calls us his own. Even when we choose things that are not of him. Did you know God offered Moses the promised land without his presence? In Exodus 33, starting in verse 1, it said, The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told him, I will give this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to this the land that flows with milk and honey. But I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. And here's Moses' response in verse 15. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. I love that. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from the people on the earth. And the Lord replied, I will indeed do what you have asked. For I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Oh, that's so good. Moses understood. There is no such thing as the promised land without God's presence. God is life, and he's the only thing worth living for. It makes me think of my childhood and some of the sadness as I think back when people just talked about, oh, I just hope I can get into heaven. Hope I can get in. Hope, which made me think, okay, they're thinking I have to live good enough or I have to do enough to walk those streets of gold. But let me tell you, church, heaven can't be our only end game. Heaven can't be our ultimate goal because Jesus 
is our eternity. I want to have such a relationship with Jesus and be loved by him and defined by him that that's all that matters. And I want others to have that kind of relationship with God. Not a relationship built on fear, not a relationship built on rules, but one of love and hope and joy. I want to smile in my good days. I want us to smile in our bad days because we know we don't walk alone. <laughs> that our God lives through us in his, with his spirit. That is our treasure. When we take our eyes off of God, we start falling into the traps of Satan and this world, listening to what people think about us. So how do we keep our eyes on God? I think Jesus shows us this way. I, I reference Moses going and, and spending time with God. And Jesus in Mark chapter 1 verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You see, church, we have to spend time with our Creator. Our Creator who knows us, who made us. We have to sit in our Father's lap and just be. Spend time in his word. Because how do we know his truth and his love for us if we're not reading it every day? If we spend time just sitting in his presence and we talk to him and we listen to hear how he loves us, then God will start to take away that rejection and start replacing it with peace. That peace that we don't have to run after others' approval. You know, Gordon used the wisdom of Taylor Swift a few weeks ago. So I'm going to draw, draw from another modern poet, Tupac, who rapped, Only God can judge me. Okay, now that sounds good in theory, right? If we really believe that our value and our identity only come from God alone, well, that's beautiful. But if we use this much like the world and much like he did, that I can do whatever I want and make my own truth and you can't judge me, then we'll become just like the world no longer recognizing truth. I believe a big way for us to stay out of the prison of rejection is to have and live in Christian community. To be surrounded by people that will love us where we are, but not let us stay there. Did you get that? Love us where we are, but not let us stay there. I love you because you are you, but God has great plans for you. And if you're struggling in sin or your, your life is missing the mark, I want to help you get back on that path and help you run after the Lord in truth and in love. And we're called as a church to do this in gentle and loving ways, to be patient with each other because it's the Spirit that changes others, not our best arguments. And I've made that mistake many times. I've rarely myself given up a sin or a struggle in an instant. There are times I've been able to do that, but many times I do it surrounded by Christian community that will come alongside me. They will cheer me on when I succeed and help pick me up when I fall. And that's what we need. We're called to live in this kind of community, one that runs after God and his love and not after the applause of the world. But it's tough and it takes prayer, and ultimately it takes us surrendering to the Lord so that he can take control. 
Paul answers his critics in Galatia when he was challenged about his credibility in Galatians 1.10. It says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul urges the Colossae church to submit to each other, to love each other, to obey parents and not aggravate children, and work hard. In fact, in Colossians 3.23, he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. I love the movie Born Identity. Here's a man that wakes up, doesn't know who he is or what he can do. And I look at that and I think about my life and I think about our life when we start running after the applause of the world or we start living in fear of rejection, we're much like Jason Bourne, we've forgotten our identity. We've forgotten who we are. You, this morning I want to remind you, you are a child of God. That's who you are. You are loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Did you know God can't love you more based on what you do or what you say? God loves not like we love. He loves unconditionally. He loves because he is love. You don't have to win God's approval. He'll never reject you. This week, my challenge for you is to spend time with the Lord. Sit in his presence. Let him sing over you like a father to a child. Let him hold you and love you. Be still and know he is God. He is love. And I want to challenge you to go as you are. Not who you think he needs you to be or he wants you to be. Go as he created you to be. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Church, you are that whoever. Don't let the world take that from you. You were loved. Don't let Satan lie to you. Don't let him trick you to winning the approval of others or fearing the rejection of this world. Claim the freedom that Jesus offers, that you are loved, that he died for you because you are worthy because of Jesus. This morning, if you need prayers because you've forgotten who you are, Maybe more importantly, you've forgotten whose you are. You can come down front and we'll pray with you. Or you can grab someone right next to you and pray just freedom from the prisons of rejection. Freedom from maybe running after the approval and the applause of people. If you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, then this morning is your morning. Come down. Say yes to Jesus Lord. Put him on in baptism. And start a new life a life in freedom, a life where you've been claimed to live as you are, loved. However you need to respond this morning, let's stand and sing as we claim this freedom in Jesus. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy Teach me.
Brian for the uh, outstanding message this morning. Uh, as a reminder, we'll have a combined service on uh, December 11th. That'll be a 10 o'clock service and nine o'clock Bible classes for the uh, induction of our uh, new deacons. We're so excited and grateful for the willingness of uh, this group of men to serve uh, the Lord and Preston Crest family, their continuing service. And please join us again this evening at 6 as we continue the series Jacob will be bringing on Living Hope uh, out of 1st and 2nd Peter. So we're grateful for that continued series. As we conclude today, let's read again uh, together 1st Chronicles uh, as, a, as a congregation. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. And the church said, amen. <laughs> 